0: Let's do it. I got no <laughs> What kind of to voice know. was that? So, at? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. So that's from Richard Gere in Officer and a Gentleman. That's a whole different thing. Hey, everybody. I'm Kyle Rosda. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. As I open the doors for my
1: dogs, Bonds, has gone. Fun, fun. <laughs> and apparently do imitations of Richard Gere. It is what it is. Okay. Well Okay. That's, I'm that's, Kimberly that's Adams. What he said.
0: That's what he said in the movie, right? So Lou Gossett Jr. is like, why are you here? And, and, and Officer and Gentleman, Richard Gere, Navy pilot, blah, blah, blah. And, and Lou Gossett Jr. is a drill instructor. And Lou Gossett Jr. says to Richard Gere, what are you doing here? And Richard Gere says, I got nowhere else to go. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. <laughs>
1: And now I shall have to go watch it. Actually, I'm like in the backlog of Kai movies I need to watch. Officer and a Gentleman, both of the Top Gun movies. I'm going to like catch up with all these references and things. (laughs) That turned into a
0: weird biographical sketch. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. (laughs)
1: Well, I'm Kimberly Adams, uh, the one who doesn't have all the military background, but we will be uh, watching goodness. military movies. Thank you for joining us. It is Thursday uh, here on Make Me Smart. So we now that we've gotten our movies out of our system, uh, we're going to do yes. the news fix, followed by a little Make Me Smile moment. And uh, so... Let's jump right in. Uh, yours is uh, quite newsy. Kai, why don't you go with that one? I, I just, I just can't. So, so I'll, I'll, well,
0: look, I'll do the first one first, the actual serious one, and then the are okay. y- dude, are you kidding me one. So <laughs> here's uh, what I wanted to point out, and it's a piece in the New York Times, but it could be uh, from anywhere, that the federal deficit last year fell a good deal. It went from $2.6 trillion to $1.4 trillion, and let's remember what uh, the deficit is, right, it's the annual, that is a year-on-year gap between what we spend and what we take in, right? And $1.4 trillion, while still a lot of money, is way, way down from the $2.6 trillion. But here is what I wanted to say about this particular thing, because you are going to be hearing about the national debt very much for a very long time, right? The uh-huh. debt limit, all of that stuff is going to become a big deal. So keep that in the back of your mind when I tell you this. Interest rates are going up. They're going up for everybody, including for the federal government. And the New York Times points out today that net interest costs, that is to say the net interest on what the United States government is paying on its debt, our debt, are up is up 41% over the past calendar year. That's a mm. boatload of money. It's really expensive to be $31.3-ish trillion dollars in debt. And when we have to roll over new debt, we're paying higher rates because interest rates are going up. I mean, we've done this a zillion times on Marketplace. But the federal debt is real. Is it a crisis? No. Is it expensive? Yes. And getting more so. And I just want to make sure everybody understands that as we head into a deluge of coverage about the national debt.
1: And this was what I was trying to say uh, the other day, but I I had it mixed up a little bit about the cost of servicing the national debt and how expensive it is. Because depending on, you know, what interest rates are, sometimes the cost of servicing the national debt can outpace our spending on veterans. It can outpace our spending on certain segments of, you know, what we spend on education. You know, there are some predictions that, you know, not very far into the future the cost of servicing the national debt is going to be more than we spend on national defense so mm-hmm. there's that
0: <laughs> yeah and we spent we spend 858 billion dollars on national defense we're going to spend that uh, this year, so it's a boatload of cash for sure. All right, so that's that's the substantive item. Uh, my dude, are you kidding me? Item is this: mm-hmm. everybody by now listening to this podcast has heard the name Sam Bankman-Fried. He was the founder and CEO of FTX, the ginormous uh, crypto exchange that went belly up a number of weeks, six weeks, two months ago, whatever it was. Um, in just a blaze of accusations of fraud and lost investor money and this and that. And for a long time after the, the disintegration of that enterprise, Sam Bankman freed, and uh, this, uh, this is not pejorative, he could not shut up. He was everywhere, <laughs> and he was talking about what had happened at his company in which there were credible allegations of fraud. Finally, he gets indicted, he gets lawyers, and he shuts up. Until today, when he launches a substack. On which he says, quote, I didn't steal funds and I certainly didn't stash billions away. End of quote. That's great. Maybe that's true. But does this guy have no lawyers? Are you kidding me? I can't believe it. It's like he's asking to go to jail. That's what I got.
1: I feel like this is someone who has never had to face consequences his entire life. And so some part of him... Truly believes yep. that nothing bad can happen to yep. him, and yep. and I've run yep. into people like this in real life, where there's this you know unending sense that, well, you know it'll all blow lo- yeah. blow over.
0: And right, it's like, right. Mm. It's all
1: worked out for and me you know, so far.
0: Why should I worry and, now? Yeah, totally.
1: And to be fair, for many of the very, very wealthy people in this country, that that is how things have worked. Yep. This is real yep. bad, though. This is real bad. What was also oh, interesting God. in that Substack was how he kept insisting that there was no reason why U.S. customers shouldn't be made whole—that their money is fine—and that they should have access to it. And I was just like, hmm, interesting. Um, okay, Sam. But...
0: Sure, pal. Yeah, <laughs> sure, I don't know. Sam. It, it just—it it amazes me. It's—it's—it's a—it's a spectacle to watch, but it's going to end in tears for Sam Bankman-Fried. It just is.
1: Anyway, mm, I mean, <laughs> all no, I think he will. Come the... on,
0: I do do. I, I don't I don't see how he doesn't wind up. Well, what the hell do I know? Never mind. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, well, mine is uh, I'm going to take us back to Washington since we were talking about the debt limit earlier. um just sort of the chaos that you were predicting around the debt limit and the yeah. narrative and the rhetoric that we're going to be hearing in the coming months over government spending and how it's out of control and deficits and whatever uh the u s Chamber of Commerce today. Delivered its annual State of American Business Address. U.S. Chamber of Commerce is one of the biggest lobbying groups. I think maybe the biggest lobbying group um, in the United States. And, you know, they represent the biggest companies in America, business interests. Um, You can have all kind of feelings about that. But nevertheless, they tend to be the voice of American business in Washington. Right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Sure. Today, in the annual State of American Business Address, U.S. Chamber of Commerce President and CEO Suzanne Clark basically told politicians t- to get their act together and that they cannot function with the way that the U.S. government is running. I'm going to read you a couple of quotes from their press release. Mm -hmm. Business demands better from our government because when it comes to Washington, the state of American business is fed up. The polarization, gridlock, regulatory overreach, and inability to act smartly and strategically for our future is making it harder for all of us to do our jobs and move this country forward. We need a government that works, a government that rejects Gridlock and chooses governing, a government that can partner with the private sector on our biggest challenges and can engage globally to advance America's interests and the world's, a government that limits itself to the work only it can do no more and no less. There are some even less flattering lines <laughs> moving yeah. forward in this, yeah. but folks are really r- truly and deeply frustrated um, because. You know, American businesses and, and American business journalists are looking at the 118th Congress. I mean, like, what can you possibly get done?
0: Right. Right. And the answer is, yeah. well, I don't know what the answer is going to be. It's going to be not a whole lot. Not a whole Although lot. Although
1: they did set up a new uh, crypto committee uh, this week, which oh, is did interesting. Oh, did they?
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, hold on, let me pull that up real quick, because I just sent it over to the tech team. Bear with me. Um, Yeah. The Subcommittee on Digital Assets, Financial Technology and Inclusion. And it's going to be chaired by Representative French Hill. And so it looks like the House Republicans are actually planning to uh, at least look at it. We'll see. Yeah, and, and you know, Biden had that op-ed in the Wall Street Journal um, saying that tech regulation, especially around issues of privacy and things like that, could be areas of common ground for this Congress. So maybe things like yeah. crypto tech regulation, um, online privacy might be some areas where we actually do see some progress uh, in Congress. So let, let's let's go with that.
0: Yeah. Let's go with that. And let's go on, Juan Carlos, shall we?
1: We've got a lot of Washington stories today.
0: Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I going? All right, I'll go. Yeah, you go. Uh, so, it turns out there are aliens. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, there probably are, because it's not possible it we're the only be... uh, living beings in the universe. But...
1: It would be a waste the of space. Of the
0: dead, that's true. Too... That's <laughs> That's <laughs> great. I've never heard See? that before. Uh, what? The it's Office in a movie. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence. What movie?
1: Oh, gosh. What was the movie? It was with, like, Jodie Foster, uh, I think. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. uh, oh. Anyway, uh, go uh, ahead. Oh,
0: God. Oh, God. Wait, is, what was it? I love that movie. You know
1: what I'm talking about with the big telescope. Contact. And Contact. I think Contact. so. Contact. Yes.
0: Yes. I think so. Yeah, that was great. God, I love that okay. movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Anyway, okay. we're all about movies. Anyway. Yes. So, uh, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence uh, is out with a report that says there have been um, another, let's see, sorry, how many, um, a total of 510 uh, cases of uh, unusual flight characteristics or performance capabilities with unidentified flying objects. They're apparently now called um, Unidentified uh, Aerial Phenomenon, UAPs. But you remember, we've ta- Molly and I talked wait, about wait, this a wait, bit, wait. I think you and I so- did too. What
1: Before, you know, all of our wonderful listeners who have eagle ears, uh, well, not eagle, anyway, separate. Uh, It's not UAPs, as I have been corrected. It is always UAP because it's unidentified aerial phenomena, which is already plural, which means that you don't have to say UAPs. I have been corrected about about this before.
0: I have to go get some cash (laughs) from the ATM machine. (laughs) <laughs> just, just, I'm just going to do that. Anyway, so there's a whole report. There's an 11-page report out from the ODNI saying that um, uh, since March of 2021, there have been 366 new cases of UAP reported to U.S. intelligence agencies. These are these are aerial phenomenon with unusual flight characteristics, cannot be explained by what we know how to do with airplanes. And I just think that's cool. And And maybe yeah. the aliens is among us. I don't know. I don't know. Made me gave me a little chuckle.
1: Gave I mean, me a chuckle. it's a chuckle until it isn't. <laughs> we find out we're just being monitored, either by our <laughs> enemies or by enemies. aliens. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a great one. Was that a right? Twilight Zone or was it? A I movie think it might to, have been. To yeah. serve? No, I think it was. Twilight I think it was Zone. a Twilight Zone. Um, so, for people who haven't seen this particular episode, the Twilight Zone, um, aliens arrive on I'm going to give a spoiler sorry aliens arrive to earth it's a, and it's a
0: 60 year old television show there are no spoilers come on
1: aliens arrive on earth and they talk about you know how they're there to help serve mankind and you know they have this like book or guide that you know they're they're referencing as they try to work with the humans and they um you know decide to gather some people to take them back to their home planet so they can have this exchange and you know like as the ship is taking off, I guess someone finally translates the book, which is, you know, to serve mankind, but it's about how to like serve them to eat it's them. It's a cookbook. It's a <laughs> it's cookbook. A cookbook. <laughs> it's so, a cookbook. So, yeah, lost in translation yes. there. Yes. And anyway, it oh, was pretty good. In we the, are yeah, all about movies and TV today. I know, yeah. Man. OK, well, staying in D.C., my make me smile is, is a little bit old. Um, but as many folks will probably know, and if you happen to be elected as a member of Congress, you do not have to swear in on the Bible. You can kind of swear yeah. yourself in on whatever you might like. Uh, and Robert Garcia, who is a member of Congress from California, I believe. Yes, a Democrat from California had himself sworn in on the uh, copy of the U.S. Constitution and underneath the Constitution, I'm reading from his uh, Twitter account, three items that mean a lot to me personally. A photo of my parents, who I lost to COVID, my citizenship certificate, uh, he was born in Peru, and an original (laughs) Superman number 1 from the Library of Congress. And so today there was a story in the Hill where he actually went back to the Library of Congress and and met with the librarian of Congress, Carla Hayden, to take pictures with the original Superman number one that, you know, he's for himself in on. An interesting little detail in this Hill article the Superman comic on loan from the Library of Congress is one of hundreds of thousands of comic books housed there. The library has the largest publicly available collection of comic books in the country, totaling about 146,000 issues. I didn't know that.
0: No, me neither. But, of course, it makes sense, right? Because they're, you know, that's their the repository, as it were, right? Yes, so... and
1: then it goes on. Puerto Rico... Uh, Delegate Jennifer Gonzalez-Colon, who's a Republican, requested a copy of Sensation Comics Number 1, known as the first comic book where Wonder Woman appeared on the cover, be used when she was sworn into office last week. So, lots of comic book fans in Congress. Love it. Yeah, it's nice. It's cool. Yeah, it's fun. All right. That's it for us today. Tomorrow, Kai will be out. And so will our YouTube mm-hmm. live stream. Don't worry, we will be coming back eventually. Um, so please do check your podcast feeds for Economics on Tap. We still are going to do Economics on Tap. Uh, I'll be here with Amy Scott. We will have drinks, and news, play around of our game, half full and half empty. And because I'm doing dry January, I would love anyone's um, – I'm not going to say mocktail. Apparently now the thing to say is spirit-proof, spirit-free cocktails. I would love people's spirit-free cocktail recommendations because I guess mocktails is kind of like diminutive and they're trying to like jazz it up and make it like more common and, you know – Celebrate people who were choosing not to like drink themselves into oblivion all the time and so spirit-proof cocktails. Yes Okay, okay <laughs> Okay, okay. send us your thoughts Let about that listen. or
0: anything else you like that uh, Appears on this podcast or don't like because we need to hear that too uh, You can do that uh, by uh, Getting a hold of us at 508 you be smart or make me smart at marketplace.org Either one of those will work
1: Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker Today's episode was engineered by Juan Carlos Torado And our intern is Antonio Barres.
0: Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter Marissa Cabrera is our acting senior producer And she's got that job because Bridget Bodner is the new director of podcasts around here Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on-demand At the Marketplace Conglomerate
1: Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy.